You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo. It is our first post-game victorious podcast of the 2022 East Carolina football season. The Pirates take down the Old Dominion Monarchs 39-21. They improve to 1-1 on the season. Old Dominion, of course, coming off their victory over Virginia Tech. They fall to 1-1. Lots of good things to talk about. This is just going to be our instant immediate reaction podcast where we break down some of the highlights we'll also talk about some of the negatives as well you guys know no football game can be played where it's perfect and there's obviously things to improve upon and we'll get to those namely special teams specifically from a blocking perspective on point after touchdowns we'll also talk about uh, some early issues in the run game and pass protection too but let's start with the positive and I just want to say, you look at the final stats here. If you didn't watch the game, this looks like it should have been an absolute shellacking. ECU ran up 531 total yards of offense. Old Dominion tallied just 290. They had only 15 net yards rushing. Now, of course, I'm not a big fan of how college football totals rushing, so like you have to throw in the sacks as lost yardage, but... If you just tally the actual yards from scrimmage on the ground outside of some garbage time runs from their running back in the fourth quarter when ECU was play, playing pass pre, uh, prevent defense pretty much, they didn't want to give up anything big through the air. I mean, they just made it a non-factor. And you hold a team to 15 yards rushing, I mean, you're going to take that every day. You're going to win 99 times out of 100. Conversely, ECU finishes with 261 on the ground. That's even with getting sacked four times and having that total uh, taken off the board. So ECU had even more than that as far as positive rushing yards. Uh, Holt Naylor's with a solid day, 270 yards passing. Time of possession, 40 minutes and 52 seconds compared to 19 minutes and 8 seconds for Old Dominion. And part of that was due to Old Dominion had a couple of quick scoring drives. But, man, the Pirates, they had the sustained drives. They opened the game with a 17-play march. You just don't see too many 17-play drives. It's a shame that one didn't end in six. But they at least get the field goal, get Owen Daffer's confidence back. And a major shout-out to the fans. 
for Cherry and Owen Daffer. I mean, every time he hit a kick, every time he hit an extra point, it was like ECU won the game, and they gave him a huge ovation when he took the field before that first field goal. So I, I just thought that was extremely classy. Mike Houston talked about it after the game as well. He got a touch emotional uh, about it. Um, you know, just mentioning the fans who, who showed up despite the weather. There were more than 36,000 as far as paid attendance, probably less than that at the actual game. But I thought that was just an awesome moment. Um, fans having Owen Dapper's back. And, you know, I, you know that, that's what makes this play special. And I think uh, Mike Houston touched on that after the game. If you want to check out his post-game press conference, we got it up on our YouTube page uh, on Hoist the Colors on YouTube in its entirety. So Daffer, by the way, he goes two of two on field goals, shorter field goals, and um, again, did have the two extra points blocked. We'll talk about that later. But, uh, you know, just overall defense played extremely well, really outside of the the quick scoring drives they allowed. And Ollie Jennings, the old Dominion 1,000-yard receiver, just kept finding holes on the back end through ECU's defense. And it, it wasn't like he was winning one-on-one matchups. He was just finding holes. They were scheming him open, and ECU had some busts in the secondary. He ends up finishing the game with 196 yards. ODU has just 290 yards as a team, and he accounted for the vast majority of them, scoring three touchdowns, a 16-yard score, an 18-yard score, and a 35-yard score. But the big takeaway for me for this game, we talk about the stats, and it was pretty lopsided stat-wise at halftime too, yet ECU had just a 16-7 to lead. Is just the way the Pirates have dominated the second half two weeks in a row, and specifically the fourth quarter. You know, you look at the late third quarter into the fourth quarter, the Pirates led 16-14 to after ODU scored an early touchdown in the third quarter. There were some back-and-forth moments in the third quarter, some crucial stops by the defense as the Monarchs tried to rally. But then ECU goes on another extended drive late in the third quarter, 11-play, 76-yard drive. They take 441 off the clock. Uh, Rajay Harris, who played a great game with a, a excellent uh, surge on the shovel pass from Holton Ayers to get in for the three-yard score. That made it 22-14. Still a one-score game, of course, after the PAT block. Again, we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, and then you get the pick from Julius Wood. Offense, unfortunately, doesn't do anything after that, but they, again, get the ball back as the defense forces another defensive stop. And Keaton Mitchell, we've been waiting for it. It just seems like every two three games, he's going to break one of these runs if you give him enough carries, and this is why you give him the, those carries up the middle uh, because eventually he is going to pop one. An excellent blocking from the interior offensive line here. Avery Jones. Isaiah Foote, Nashad Strother, Noah Henderson, even the right tackle was downfield cleaning up on a block. And then Isaiah Winstead with a huge block to spring him once Keith Mitchell got into the second level. An 81-yard score, and that's when you could finally, I don't want to say feel a sense of relief, but you kind of feel comfortable. The team started playing with uh, some much-needed confidence. Next series, first play, Chandra Mims crushes Hayden Wolf. The ODU quarterback ball comes free. J.D. Lampley recovers the fumble first play of the next series. Rajay Harris 15 yards off left guard for the touchdown. And just like that, it goes from a 16-14 game late in the third quarter to 36-14. Defense gets another sack, another stop. Um, Pirates go down the field. Owen Daffer makes a 32-yard field goal to make a 39-14. And that was a, a stretch of 23 unanswered points basically when the game is on the line. And you remember last week, 
ECU against NC State. Trailed 21-7 at halftime. Again, dominated the second half on the fourth quarter. Should have won the game. And this is two straight weeks against good competition where the Pirates have looked superior to their opponents when it mattered most. And, you know, it's cliche to say, hey, win four quarters is a four-quarter game, uh, no quarter, all that stuff. But, you know, Mike Houston and his staff really have emphasized that, and they do a lot of competition periods and uh, strength and conditioning things around that exact thing. I mean, that is, is kind of what they have instilled their program on, being physical, wearing down your opponent, winning in the trenches late in the games. And we, we saw that start to turn last year, and that has only continued into this year. And so you look at some of the offensive issues early as far as blocking. None of that really was present in the second half. This is the, the second week in a row we saw that the Pirate offensive front had trouble blocking the opponent in the first half. Halftime adjustments were made. Conditioning perhaps playing a big role. And then all of a sudden you start to see the offensive line getting a surge in the second half. And clearly your time of possession here, 40 minutes to 19. I mean, that is going to wear down any defense. And I looked at ODU's defense. They actually played 24 guys. They played a lot of guys. But still, when you're on the field for 40 minutes, and in terms of plays, ECU doubles them up. They actually run 86 to ODU's 43. I mean, that's just difficult. I mean, the crazy thing is ODU actually averaged more yards per play, 6.7, than ECU 6.2, but just ECU was able to sustain drives. Of course, ODU hit some big plays. But by the end of the day, Old Dominion was just worn down, and you could see that in the fourth quarter. They were getting pushed around. ECU's offensive front was imposing its will. I thought as the game went on, you really saw the interior offensive line Start to dominate the point of attack. The tackles got better. Uh, pass pro was a little bit of an issue in the first half. Run blocking as well. They had trouble uh, on a series or two in the first half picking up uh, some, some different things that ODU was doing. They were clearly keying on the run. And we said that going into the game. ODU's main priority is to stop the run. They're very similar to NC State. They will run blitz a lot. They'll do some different things in the run game from a schematics perspective that makes it tough to block guys. And ECU was just tra- having trouble getting a hat on a hat. And some nice adjustments were, what were made against a very multiple defensive line and, and linebacker group. And you saw that pay off in the second half. So, again, uh, big kudos to uh, Steve Shankwire, Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive staff for cleaning that up at halftime. Would like to see that be more of a, I guess, clean thing at the beginning of games. But when you finish the day with nearly 300 yards rushing, uh, hard to complain, and uh, some big standout performances. Of course, you know we got to give Keaton Mitchell props. 18 carries, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Helped out by that 81-yard score, of course. And man, that Joker is fast. Um, it doesn't matter if anybody has the angle; he is going to beat them more times than not. Just taking a simple handoff with the middle and breaking it. But I want to give a shout out to Rajay Harris. I thought Rajay played a really good all-around game you know he doesn't have the gaudy numbers 16 carries 61 yards and a touch uh, but had the the touchdown reception where he was just fighting forward for that surge to get into the end zone on a crucial play Uh, several of his runs he made something out of nothing he made several guys miss he looked good in pass protection he just had a really good all-around game so of course Keith Mitchell is going to get a lot of buzz and deservedly so but man that one-two punch like that's what it that's what it looks like when it's going good. And 
if the offensive line can find a way to replicate that late-game success with some early-game execution, uh, I think you're going to see these both these guys have monster years. Uh, again, offensively, we want to talk about Holton Aylers. Just a, a really solid game for him, man. I mean, and, and I want to give the kid kudos. He looked to be in some discomfort for sure with his shoulder. Of course, dislocated his shoulder last week, was playing with a brace for the first time, and on the first drive, I want to say he got hit, and you could tell there was some visible pain there, but he, he goes out, finishes the game. Um, of course, he was relieved late in the fourth quarter with the game getting out of hand. But I thought Holton just played a, a really clean game, didn't turn the football over. ECU as a team didn't turn the football over on a wet night, which I think says a lot. Uh, but he goes 25 of 39, 270 yards, two touchdowns, just really steady play. 27 yards was his longest completion, so had a lot of shorter intermediate gains against ODU's defense, which which is fine. Um, but then his receivers, man, Jalen Johnson, Georgia transfer, looked phenomenal. He made some excellent contested catches with his hands, had a huge catch on either third or fourth down to move the chains. Can't remember which it was, maybe both. But he looked he looked big time. Um, we, we talked a lot about Isaiah Winstead last week, but I thought Jalen Johnson looked just as good. Uh, really good route runner. Nine catches, 93 yards, both career highs. Isaiah Winstead, again, with some huge big-time plays. Five catches, 89 yards, long of 25. And so the two transfer receivers, they combined for 14 catches and well over 180 receiving yards. And I mean, if you're an opponent now trying to game plan for ECU, okay, you take away C.J. Johnson. He finishes with one catch for 11 yards. Shane Calhoun and Ryan Jones, they only combined for five catches. And, you know, for tight ends, that's actually a pretty good number. Jones, of course, getting to the end zone. But you take those guys away or you don't let them beat you. Well, Jalen Johnson, Isaiah Winstead still shredded you. The running game still shredded you. And ECU gets Josiah Hatfield back next week, their best deep threat at receiver. So, this uh, this is becoming problematic if you're a defensive coach. If the Pirates stay healthy on offense, all of a sudden you have legitimately five, six guys who can beat you on every single play, and you can't double everyone. And we're seeing that. You know, Jalen Johnson got some favorable matchups on one-on-one coverage, and he made him pay. And ODU's got a pretty solid secondary. You know, of course, the American will have some better secondaries, but uh, if they're making these plays against NC State and ODU, I think that bodes well for the future of this offense. You know, defensively, moving to the the good on that side of the ball, a lot of late-game pressure. Again, Pirates just getting after the quarterback in uh, obvious passing situations and sometimes with some four-man pressure, which is good to see because we know Blake uh, Blake Harrell likes to dial it up. I thought Elijah Morris played a really good game. Shondre Mims, the transfer from Charleston Southern, had some good push uh, as a pass rusher. Um, You know, Jeremy Lewis, Ended with four tackles and a half sack. And Emmanuel Hickman with a sack as well. Sarad Ware also playing good on the interior defensive line. So, you know, even without Deontay Johnson, the big nose tackle due to an injury from the previous week, looks like he will miss a couple weeks. Maybe we'll get back for uh, towards the start of conference play. We'll see how that develops. But a ton of guys defensively got, got into the game, which was good to see. And I thought... Outside of those those few busts, which we'll talk about the, the negatives on the other side of this coming break, but I thought the coverage was good. I mean, the thing is, you, you just gave up so many big explosive plays in the passing game that it kind of hurts your numbers at the end of the day. But 
you know, outside of those handful of plays, which of course you can't take away, they're part of the game. I thought that, you know, the, the defensive backfield covered pretty well. Um, you know, you want to go back and look at the film to see what exactly happened on those zone defenses. You know, there was a breakdown somewhere, whether it's corner safety, but I thought Tegan Wilk at safety played a really good game. Um, didn't really give up anything in the passing game. I don't even know if he had a tackle, maybe one tackle, but he seemed to be in the right place more times than not. Uh, Gerard Stringer looked solid for another week. Jaro Wilson looked solid. And so I thought the safeties played pretty good. You had a couple breakdowns with the cornerbacks on the boundary. Demel Hickman and Juwan Powell, who Juwan Powell looked great against the run. Six tackles to lead the team. But, uh, you know, want to see that cleaned up a little bit on the boundary. And ODU does scheme some things up that makes it tough on those guys, especially when you got to watch out for the tight ends at Koontz. But you just can't give up 200 yards receiving on several busts, quite frankly, uh, to their best receivers. So that is something ECU will, will look to clean up in the uh, the coming weeks. All right, on the other side, we'll dive into uh, the rest of this game. Some of the other things the Pirates need to to work on, whether it be defensively special teams and other thoughts coming out of the ODU game. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Kellers podcast. We're breaking down ECU's 39-21 win over the Old Dominion Monarchs. One thing I didn't mention earlier that I want to hit on, third down. It was a problem offensively last year for ECU. I think the Pirates ranked near the bottom of the country in third down efficiency, especially going into late in the year. They had a big performance against Memphis on third down. But before that, they were not good. And... And then had good performance against Navy and then didn't do so well against Cincinnati. But the first two games of this year, offensively, ECU's been really good on third down. They are they went ten of nineteen. Anytime you're over fifty percent, I mean that's that's excellent on third down. And then two of three on fourth down on Saturday. They're at fifty three percent third down conversion through two games against two solid defenses. That's extremely encouraging. A lot of that goes not only to Holton for being able to survey the field and go through his progressions, but also obviously to play design uh, working out there. But then pass pro, I think pass pro in third and long this year has been excellent. And so we've talked about some of the breakdowns, uh, maybe in early downs that lead to sacks, but third and long pass pro thus far has been noticeably better, something they worked a lot on this offseason and is paying off thus far. And then conversely on the defensive side, ECU holds Old Dominion to one of eight on third down. They held NC State to four of 13. Um, you know, I'm not a math major, but that that's pretty good. If you're going to hold opponents to five of 21, 
which is uh, right around 20%. That is uh, that's an excellent number and one that is going to get you a lot of wins. So we know that EC was very good on third downs last year. That trend is continuing under Blake Carroll in year three as the Pirates defensive coordinator. All right, let's talk about the the not-so-good from this game. Again, lots of good to talk about. Domination in many of these stats, but special teams, I mean, this week, a different issue than a week ago. Last week, it was Owen Dafford just missing a kick. And this week, uh, you have some protection issues. Or as Mike Houston said after the game, there, there was one issue, and he said basically one player uh, failed to protect, and that led to two blocks. That player did a good job last week, and then he was removed from the ODU game, and then it was shored up. So, you know, obviously, anytime something happens on special teams, it's a natural, man, our, our special teams is, is a disaster reaction or something like that. And, and, you know, quite frankly, you just can't, you can't have multiple extra points blocked in a game. I mean, some teams go through an entire season with, with no extra points blocked, let alone multiple. ECU has now played two games. They've given up a block punt. They've had two extra points blocked. They've uh, missed now three extra points total. And this stuff, if it doesn't get fixed, and I know that the coaching staff is is working its ass off on fixing it, and this week was different issues than last week, but and and this is the type of stuff that keeps coaches up at night because you you work so hard on one thing all week long, and they worked on those things to fix probably Owen Daffer's accuracy and some operation stuff, but then you have a breakdown in protection, and that's what drives coaches crazy. I mean, you you emphasize it, you beat it to death. You fix one issue, and then you have another hole that springs and, and leaks. And um, that's what makes coaching tough. And they're going to continue to hone it in and work on it again this week. But they got to get it fixed. I mean, that's just the, the the point I'm trying to make is you can't be a great football team and be bad on special teams. And right now, ECU is bad on special teams. The punting game does not look good. Luke Larson, uh, even when he has gotten the ball off, it's been consistently shy of 40 yards which is uh, not ideal, and I know they're trying to figure out maybe the best way to punt it, either rugby or traditional style, but he's not getting a ton of hang time. He did have a few solid punts, but right now the punting game, uh, the return game was solid. I thought Keaton had a really nice return and almost took that one to the house if he would have got one extra block or gotten down the sideline. Malik Fleming continues to do a solid job, so I'm encouraged by that. The coverage units were good on kickoff return, and so that's a positive. I don't want to act like it's all bad, but you can't be giving away points on special teams, and right now ECU's doing that. And in the punting game, they're giving away field position. I don't know if you have an alternative. I think they need Larson to be more consistent, um, and maybe they're they're playing to their strengths with ball placement and shorter punts to make sure there's no big returns, but – you would like to see some more distance if possible there. And I'm not a special teams expert, but I know that right now it is a major problem. And if ECU wants to have the season it wants to have, they've got to get it fixed. There's just no other way to put it. Um, can't be missing kicks, can't be missing extra points, can't have blocks. And uh, hopefully the return game continues to show its progress and the Pirates can figure out some things with protection and with punting and with field goal kicking because the kicking game, the actual kicking game right now seems to be a problem. Even Owen Daffer's last field goal, which went in, it was a low 
kind of a knuckle line drive. And again, wet field, I don't know if he slipped or what, but uh, wasn't the cleanest kick in the world. I thought he hit the first field goal clean. He hit the, the extra points that were not blocked clean. So good to see him bounce back and make some kicks and get some confidence back. And again, we talked about the fans cheering for him earlier. That was awesome. Uh, and, you know, listen, they worked on special teams to death last week. And, like, it's not like they're out there just goofing around not trying to fix the issues. And I promise you it'll be a an emphasis again this week. But, you know, we got to see it translate to game day in all phases. Uh, and hopefully against Campbell and in coming games, Navy, as you get to these more athletic teams in the American, they're just going to see this on film and they're going to come after it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's feast or famine. You see a weakness on film, teams will try to exploit it. ECU, of course, will try to shore it up. Um, you know, the other uh, things that did not go well in this game was uh, coverage on the back end. We talked about it, and Mike Houston quite honestly said he was pretty ticked off about some of the bust on the back end. Um, you know, he looked like you had some bust at boundary corner and coverage. Again, we talked about Jawan Powell playing really well against the run and coverage maybe got lost once or twice. Um, you had some safety play where guys were running free. And, again, some of this is, is tough to diagnose just watching the TV copy or watching it live. Really need to – I don't want to start calling any players out so I'll go back and see the, the game film and maybe see the all-22 if possible because there's so many moving parts here. But had some busts, had some miscommunication uh, issues there that have to be sorted out. You, you know, you just can't be giving up, you know, five or six of those catches. You give up one or two, you can live with it. You can't give up. A handful and so that's why Mike Houston who has a background in defense was so ticked off he knows that the Pirates can't be giving that up so you know we're talking about issues here that are I don't want to you know I guess you could say major issues at least special teams is at this point but you know things that ECU can correct and be a much better football team yet they still dominated the football game so I think that's extremely encouraging that this team can be really good you look offensively again Running game, you want to see some more consistency early. Pro football focus, looking at their early grades, did not grade out the left side of the line well at all for the Pirates. Uh, there was a, a bit of a struggle there at times in uh, pass pro and with run blocking. You know, Nishad Strother actually graded out pretty good at left guard in run blocking, but pass pro, uh, their early grades not so hot for the left side of the line. So. You know, again, have to go back and look at the, the film there, rewatch the game. But I, I just thought run blocking early was kind of all over the place. Again, ODU was doing some different things. They have a multiple defense, a bit of a new scheme this year. So that kind of threw a wrench into ECU's probably preparation this offseason. Um, but, you know, I thought the right side of the line and, and Avery Jones at center played solid. And, you know, the more Justin Red plays, this is his first time playing FBS football. And he's he's talented. He's athletic. He's kind of put in a tough spot right now because he was he came in to play guard. And they moved him to left tackle. And he was going to split time with Bailey Malavik. Bailey Malavik had a death in the family. Now he's playing 90 snaps a game at left tackle. And he's doing his best. So he's growing and improving every week. Uh, this is a good opportunity for him early in the season to see some different defenses, to see some guys with speed, see some guys with, with power, and kind of learn how to play at this level. And and as a grad transfer from Norfolk State, I think he's improving. And I think the last two weeks he's gotten better as the game has gone on. It's just, you know, the Pirates need 
to start with that type of intensity consistency up front if possible. Uh, maybe make it a little easier on themselves uh, offensively early in the game. But still, you can't complain when your O-line has open holes in the running game when it mattered uh, in the, the second half the last two weeks. So that is encouraging. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. So those are just some things you can nitpick about. Again, 39-21 victory. You take it every day of the week. The Pirates cover the spread. I had this being a much closer game. I had ECU winning 31-23. But, and, and I thought ODU looks like a quality football team. I mean, they have some good speed, some good size. Um, I would probably put them, you know, talent-wise, a lower-tier team in the American. And... You know, that's no knock on them. I think that's just how talented the American is. Although you look at the conference right now and, and you know, before we wrap up here, I just think it's uh, I think it's pretty wide open. And ECU clearly a few weeks away from getting the conference play, but nobody in this conference looks dominant. And, you know, clearly the Sun Belt had an excellent day on Saturday with App State beating Texas A&M and with Marshall winning at Notre Dame. Congrats to the Thundering Herd. By the way, both those teams, along with Michigan, on next year's ECU football schedule. So, yeah, that's that's real nice um, to open the year. But uh, I think, you know, you look at the American, Houston loses at Texas Tech. Cincinnati lost at Arkansas. Clearly, both of those games were not easy. But it's not like you have this dominant team in the American this year. And ECU has a chance. I mean, if they can, if they play to their capability and they continue to improve throughout the year, and stay healthy, which is clearly a big key. This team, I think, can compete for a, a, a trip to the conference championship. And so, um, you know, we'll get more into that on Navy week. Obviously, Campbell with the FCS opponent coming to town this weekend. It's a good opportunity for the Pirates to hopefully get healthy, hopefully get to a big win and get some players in the game. Of course, we know all too well if ECU goes out there and dicks around, they could easily lose this football game. Just look at last year's Charleston Southern game, which came down to the wire. But, um, you know, a chance to, to get above 500, get your second win of the season. We'll have a breakdown of what to expect going into Campbell later in the week. But, you know, I just think as you look at this football team, there's a lot of positive things. You know, defense plays well for a second straight week. Your quarterback's playing at a high level right now, especially from a decision-making standpoint. Your running game, you know you have the talent. If you can get the consistency up front, you're going to be really good pass pro outside of Really, that one drive in the ODU game has looked solid uh, through two games. You know, you got to clean up special teams, but the the the, the chance for a, a really good football team is here, and it's just going to depend on how the Pirates develop throughout the course of the season. And of course, you know, you look at the schedule. You got some winnable games coming up, and I'm not going to say that ECU is going to rattle off four or five in a row, but Campbell, Navy, South Florida, Tulane, and Memphis. I mean, you're going to have to get some wins there if you want to compete for a conference championship because then, I mean, you just have an absolute gauntlet from October 22nd to November 19th. UCF at BYU at Cincinnati versus Houston. That is that's tough. Uh, but I don't think any of those teams are unbeatable. The problem is you got to play all of them in a row, and you're going to have to play a really high level to win those games. UCF losing to Louisville on Friday was a surprise. And quite frankly, a disappointment for the American. Louisville looks like one of the worst teams in the ACC. BYU won a thriller over Baylor in overtime last night. Uh, so that's going to be a tough game. Luckily, that is a non-conference game. 
Uh, and then Cincinnati, you know, it's still probably too early to say what exactly they are, but we know they're going to be talented. Houston, again, losing at Texas Tech. Memphis has looked okay. Two lanes look good, but they haven't really played anybody. South Florida has looked like South Florida through two, two games. They beat Howard, but gave up 20 points, and they got crushed by BYU in the opener. So we'll see, guys. A lot to look forward to, though, I think. Is, uh, is the point I'm trying to make. I think this football team has a chance to be good. I mean, when you play not your best game and still just dominate time of possession and yardage and all that, I think that's extremely encouraging. So a lot to build off off the first win of the season. All right, thank you guys for joining the Hoist the Colors podcast. Just wanted to give my initial thoughts of the Pirates. 39-21 victory over the Old Dominion Monarchs. We'll be back with you guys either Monday evening or Tuesday with a further breakdown of the game, I'll have somebody join me. Uh, not sure who yet, but we'll get one of our many guests on to talk about the win over ODU, the positives, the negatives, what we like, get some different perspectives as well. But thank you guys for listening to the Hoisty Color Podcast. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.